you've already heard it all. But now you resonate. The world has pushed you out of what you thought you knew, your comfort zone, and into this strange place, this slightly off reality. Welcome to the Truth Serum Podcast, hosted by the controversial and funny Dom Bates, author, mother, human, and all-round thought leader. The time has come to realign your essence with your experience. We all know this world is changing. You're here now because you've personally felt it, and your reality has reflected the Truth Serum Podcast, getting to the root of what really is. And now, Dawn Bates. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another issue, episode, whatever you want to call it, to the Truth Serum with me, your host, Dawn Bates. Today, I have with me a gentleman by the name of Crooks Conception. Um, I will allow him to explain to you why that is his name, because this is not his birth name. So this, I have, I mean, I'm really excited about this conversation because as you know, I like to get to the heart of the matter and there are no areas where I will not go. And um, today, um, let me introduce you to this gentleman because not only is he an international speaker, he's also a retired criminal profiler. Now, um, we're not talking criminal minds here and uh, where baby girl is sat at a computer with the funkiest of glasses, those of you who have been watching Criminal Minds. But Crooks brings awareness to mental health within the different forces, mainly the police force and what's going on in America right now. We're going to go to places um, and there's probably going to be a lot of giggling. There's probably going to be some innuendo because, you know, it's the truth serum and I am your host. Um, so, Crooks, welcome to the truth serum. Thank you. How are you today? I'm fine. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. We've just been having a bit of a giggle and I think we both made each other blush quite a few times. Did. So that's all good. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know my body could do those things at 53. Wow. <laughs> well, I don't know what his body was doing at 53. <laughs> We're several thousand miles away from each other because I am still yeah. in I am still in Columbia at this point. And Crocs, whereabouts are you in the States? I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, the United States. It's uh to give people a, uh, phys a physical or virtual description. It's uh, in between Chicago, uh, right up, it's right below Chicago and uh, right above Indianapolis, Indiana. And it's uh, on the left of Detroit, to, to Detroit. So it's in that area. Yeah, it's in Detroit. that area. Multi I'm an old techno raver. So Detroit has a very, um, I guess, the Detroit techno of yes, the years gone past yes. and warehouse parties. We might get onto that. I okay. don't know. Oh, um, <laughs> um, so 
to give you a bit of background, those of you who are listening, I um, appeared on the Loot Byron Smith podcast. Um, and Loot and I went all around the houses, discussed absolutely everything and anything, and do have a second episode coming up. You can go and check that out on Loot's um, pro- profile on LinkedIn. I think it's the Empowered um, Evolved podcast. He's going to kick my backside for not actually getting the name correct there. So do apologize to Lou if you're listening. You are listening. (laughs) Next thing I know, he better be listening. (laughs) Next thing I know, I get a recommendation to speak with you. We had an amazing first call together. um, And then I had the honor and the privilege of being able to read your manuscript. For those... I mean, this book is coming out um, and um, I, reading the manuscript, I would like to say that I was shocked, but I wasn't um, because the level of police corruption that was in that um, and the story that went on. Yeah. I, I, I'm sat there. I mean, I read this manuscript in six hours flat mm. and, mm. and, and the, wow. Oh, yeah, and I cooked dinner in between. I was, I was reading it while I'm cooking dinner, which is what I mean. I'd have probably read it in five hours had I not been cooking <laughs> dinner. Would you like to give us a little bit of background to that manuscript, Cook? Uh, yeah, to just give you a short synopsis. It's, uh, I'm going to say it like boy meets girl type, uh, type phrase. That way I don't say I all the time. Uh, well, uh, educated, retired, or educated uh, homicide detective, uh, is uh, facing some back pains. He goes to get some medication for it. Uh, legal medication gets a prescription. Unbeknownst to the, the detective and his doctor, this uh, medicine is known, the muscle relaxers are known to cause bipolar effects in rare occasions. It was then, well, when I, from having a, uh, working on my PhD in forensic psychology, I'm kind of uh, aware that if you're having stress right now and you have uh chemicals that will induce that stress that's a bad mixture and uh at the time uh there was a family situation i want to save that for the book uh there's a family situation where i found out about and it really it really put guilt on me it put uh the way things turned out that i could have helped this individual and i couldn't and i felt guilt and That uh, on top of the medication caused uh, the caused the, the detective to want to kill himself. So he gets in a vehicle, loads loads his three fifty seven Magnum up, and heads to a park to kill himself. And he pulls over. He falls asleep at the wheel, and his coworkers arrive to the scene based on a call from a concerned citizen. And this individual was uh, informed him that he wanted to die. He didn't feel like living. He was the worst uh, parent in the world, parent in the world. And uh, this individual was then arrested for driving under the influence. Uh, this ended the the detective had consumed uh, an eight ounce glass of uh, vodka. He, uh, he did that because. He, Everyone knows on your prescription medication that it says do not mix with alcohol. And this is a warning label said that. And this individual wanted to end his life so quick after taking a full bottle of pain medic- medication and a full bottle, freshly full bottle of uh, muscle relaxers. This individual wanted to die. And he was arrested. Uh, protocol was uh, 
ignored. Uh, this individual was arrested and his life just turned upside down after that. Okay, so I'm going to stop you there uh, mm -hmm. because you've raised quite a few very interesting um, conversations that mm -hmm. um, I want to explore because you've mentioned there, um, we'll go down the medical route, the medical mm -hmm. side effects that doctors, um, they prescribe these drugs to people all around the world for various things. Now, as somebody who travels the world constantly, um, mm -hmm. One of the things I've had to be very aware of is when I'm tr crossing borders or I'm arriving in a marina on a boat, I'm like, okay, I have to check the medications that are legal and illegal in the next country that I'm going to. Because mm. if I have got, say, headache tablets or migraine tablets, mm -hmm. um, I have to be careful that some of the ingredients in those mm -hmm are not illegal in the next country because I could get arrested oh, yeah. and put into, into prison for drug yeah. trafficking. Yeah, It's headache medication, but it's not. And it might be pain relief, but it's yeah. not because in some countries, even in the States, you go from one state to another and different drugs are legal and are illegal. Mm -hmm. um, do you think people truly understand some of the things that they're putting inside their body? Because this individual that you're talking about, um, uh, which I find is a very interesting slant on the story, I will be honest with you, and you know exactly why. Um, <laughs> but when doctors prescribe something, as we are seeing in the world at the mm -hmm. moment, when doctors say, yes, take this, yeah. Do you really think that they are actually have a deep enough level of concern for their patients when they're as, doing it? As, uh, as opposed to uh, pleasing the pharmaceutical reps that come in their office and want to do that. Yeah. And fund they, their practices. Yes. Yeah. They, you, I, I, my doctor never was like that. He's a good ethical individual, but there are physicians and being you know, uh, working homicide, uh, working uh, narcotic investigations. There's doctors that are out there and there's doctors that are on law enforcement's radar. But with the most of the doctors that I know personally, they uh, they don't want no part of that. Matter of fact, uh, I took my dad uh, in the United States. They have a place, uh, a Veterans Administration Hospital. He's a veteran. He goes there and his knee was killing him. And I drove him there. Matter of fact, I'd never forget it was the first, it was supposed to be the first date I had in two years. Uh, and, and, and I was supposed to go on a date and he's like, he came, he came, uh, he called me. He said, Hey son, can you t uh, take me to the hospital? And I said, he said to the VA and I said, yeah, he said, my knee's hurting. And I'm like, okay. And my dad's former special forces. He's former green beret. He was a cop for 33 years. This was this, they called Hello. this <laughs> they called this dude one punch Mike because one time he hit a, a punching bag and bust a hole in it with one punch. And so this guy's like my Superman. Matter of fact, when I, uh, I, before I got married, I had two twins and I said, oh, I'm going to cover that real quick. I'm a grown man. I was 25 years old when my daughters were born. No, I was 27 when my daughters were born and I still didn't tell you my know dad. How old you are? I'm 53. And Are you sure? I, yes. <laughs> and I told my dad, and I was so scared. I told my, I, I was so scared to tell my dad, not that because he was an abusive man, but I never wanted to let him down and fail him. 
And so uh, I finally told him when I got married to the, the mother of my children, that way is legit. I said, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, you're going to be a grandfather. <laughs> Two weeks later, he called me back. He said, hey, the math just hit me and the math don't make sense. So that's the kind of man. Here's your punch upside the head. That's the kind of guy he is. So when somebody like him um, uh, is in pain, it concerned me. And so we went to the BA and and because of all the what do you call uh, the uh, the overdoses of the oxycontins and things like that, this doctor was so scared. You could tell. You can look in his eye. And I've seen fear before. Being a homicide detective, I've seen fear. This doctor was scared to give my dad pain reliever, and he gave him. He told him to go to the drugstore and get over counter medicine because he was afraid. But in the United States, too, it's statistically proven that after. I hate to say the word African-American. Ask me to write that down. I'll tell you why. I'm going to, oh, that's what I hate that down. word. And I, like, and I like to think that uh, I was the reason when I said it publicly in Budapest, I think I was the reason that, you know, people stopped saying it. I like to think that, but it's not true. But anyway, um, he was Own in it. so much in pain. Yeah, he was in so much pain. And it's, it's known fact that African-Americans, physicians, the medical field, the uh, American uh us uh, uh, physicians believe that black people are um, more tolerable to pain more tolerant to pain and that's why they don't give them pain medicine like they would their a white patient and it's it's there's statistics in that really mm-hmm. yeah, it's shown yeah and how did they measure that you know what i think it goes back way back to the slavery days when they're working working all them t- uh, days slaving and working like you know 18 hour shifts or 18 that not shifts is for working or people. do you Those think it's just that the the white folk are a bit too pampered and uh, uh i mean we could go anywhere on this conversation i'm prepared to go off on as many tangents I mean, as you like you- to dig out the truth here you beat, I put it like this, you beat a man, you beat a man 20 times with lashes on his back for running away. Then you cut off his feet and you still make him work for you. In your mind as a white person, you're going to say, oh, that Negro is tolerant to pain. He can, he can withstand anything. And so that kind of behavior and that kind of attitude carried on throughout the century. See, this is really interesting because I um, I love having conversations about generational programming and DNA programming and how evolution works mm-hmm. um, and um, looking at how, you know, we pass things down from generation to generation, not mm-hmm. just, you know, from our belief systems and our value systems from parenting and social, mm-hmm. but also, um, I mean, like, we only have to look at how... Um, you know, men used to go out and do the hunting mm-hmm. and they're very quiet and they like to watch. Yeah. Um, and whereas women, we all like to talk a lot. We like to get together in our little groups and we used to like, we like to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I always used to say to my dad, um, when I first started uh, speaking uh, on stages, he was like, well, you got the perfect job for you, haven't you? I said, what's that? He goes, well, you're a chatterbox and you're a woman. <laughs> oh my god i was like yeah perfect job for me dad <laughs> but again it is interesting how we've been programmed through the generations and through the centuries of what we can and cannot withstand mm-hmm. um and how what happened to us when we were children what we don't allow to happen to our children yeah 
Um, and one of the things that, uh, I mean, I want to pick up on this word, the African-American, and I, um, I do want to go, I do want to go there. So I'm not going to cross that off yet just yet, but I want to return to this medical side effects when you were saying like, you do not mix it with alcohol. One of the, when I used to go out raving, um, and obviously I know that I'm speaking to a retired police officer and, you know, I, <laughs> but but I used to I used to enjoy going out and taking drugs. And, you know, I've had some of the best nights of my life on drugs. And but one of the things I never did was mix it with alcohol. Really? Ever. Wow. Never. Because my thinking was, if I'm not allowed to take a paracetamol and mix it with alcohol, yeah. why would I take something yeah. that um, have been made in um, certain person who I know's kitchen? Um, yeah or in their warehouse, um, why would I take something? Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I, I, I trust the FDA anymore, or the CDC or the WHO, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you're, if you're not going to, if you're told not to take alcohol mm -hmm. with prescribed, uh, I was about to say prescribed narcotics, because <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. Um, they they yeah. are all narcotics. One's prescribed mm -hmm. and one's just given to you in a back street or uh, yeah. under the cover of darkness um but for me it was the same thing now i i wouldn't know what an eight ounce glass of vodka how much that mm -hmm. is i don't drink i haven't like, drank like for a very that. long like a shot glass yeah no I mean, actually like probably like two and a half shot glasses that's eight ounces yeah. oh holy moly i'd only have to smell the vodka and i'd be cast out i'm telling you uh, like i i haven't drank for a very long time i don't ever really? intend to drink again yeah i don't really? drink wow yeah I, i'm the anti-sailor in so many ways you know fun Dang. oh i'm a lot of fun i just don't i just don't need alcohol to have fun oh okay, um, Ooh, okay. Ooh, good comeback good comeback damn good comeback. i'm happy and i'm confident in myself okay. and this is something that i was having a conversation with uh, we had a party recently um went all dressed up as a sea goddess zombie with all the, oh, really? the face mask and uh -huh. everything oh, oh yeah body paint and everything it was amazing wow. we were dancing on the roof here on in the Carib caribbean uh -huh. under the night sky and the, and the moon and everything yeah. and this guy came up to me goes oh do you want to come and like have a smoke i went no not really <sighs> he goes oh but you know we'll be able to connect I went, we're connecting now and i'm saying no <laughs> he goes oh but because you know help you relax and i'm really relaxed yeah i don't need to smoke with you i don't need to connect with you any more than this but thank you very much for the offer mm -hmm. and for yeah. me it was just like if you need to drink alcohol or you need to smoke drugs to be confident in who you are or to socialize with mm -hmm. other people yeah. then that is telling you that there's work for you to do on the inside yeah, yeah, because you should be at ease with yourself. You should be mm -hmm. at ease with the people around you. And if you're not at ease with the people around you without drugs and alcohol, why are you around those people? Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. Just my humble opinion. Oh, I agree. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I do like to be humble every now and then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but again, going back to uh, the story that you've written mm -hmm. um, and the fact that uh, you know the law inside out, you, you know, you're very celebrated, very um, highly decorated and intelligent uh, officer. I mean, yeah. you know, 
yeah, yeah, criminal profiler. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know what you'd have me under arrest for, but um, no. you were saying <laughs> you were saying that protocol was ignored in this story. Now, I know yeah. quite a bit about protocol being ignored. I was a police assessor for quite a number of years, and I worked in the area of respect for race and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was arrested mm-hmm. um, back in 2015, mm-hmm. watching what happened. Uh, well, experiencing what happened, it felt like mm-hmm. I was watching it because it was just like, like, yeah, like my body was there and yeah, I was kind of here just watching. And I know that you wrote this in your manuscript. Yeah. And I, was like, I know exactly what you are yeah. about there. Yeah. Because it's like, you're this outside can't your be mind. Happening. Yeah. You, yeah. And yeah. knowing that in the UK at that time, that uh-huh. if they keep you, um, if they, um, if they take you into custody, uh-huh. They have to charge. They have to question you and charge you within 24 hours or release really? you, wow. unless it's for longer. If you're kept longer than that, then you have to be suspected of something along the lines of murder. Mm. Anything longer than 48 hours, you are suspected of terrorism. Really? I was kept. I was kept wow. for 57 and a half hours. <sighs> now I know I used to be married to a Palestinian. I know I used to love my techno and they used to call us the techno terrorists, but you know, there is something that mm-hmm. was very amiss. And I knew this and I was like, they can't do this. What, what's going on? What, you know, what has happened? Yeah. That was what happened with me, but obviously with you being a police officer and knowing mm-hmm. this story, yeah. knowing that these pe- these fellow police officers were breaking the law and breaking yeah. protocol. Yeah. Like, how, how do you deal with that? How, how, like, the trust must go completely out the window. Yeah, it did. It, it, it did. Um, and it didn't really um, affect me until, I mean, they, they didn't break the law. They broke protocol, but it, it was. What's the difference? Well, breaking the law means that they did something criminal. Uh, I, but what they did was it was written protocol that if we had come across as law enforcement officials, anyone who is ex- uh, experiencing psychological abnormalities or is a danger to themselves or others, then we can take them for a psychiatric eval. And the reason that was done is because that back in the day, let's say the uh, late, late eighties, uh, until the late 80s, rather, uh, law enforcement, they didn't know how to deal with the mentally ill in America. And basically, they just, if someone was acting, let's say, I hate saying the word crazy, but if they were showing abnormal abnormal abnormalities, excuse me, uh, they would um, they would take that person and charge them for into- public intoxication and throw them basically essentially in the drunk tank. And that's how we handled. And when I say we, I say law enforcement handled uh, mentally ill individuals until uh, it was in, uh, not, it was in Memphis, I believe um, in Tennessee that law enforcement officials uh, discovered a thing called crisis intervention technique and it, it was uh, rapidly accept, uh, accepted in Tennessee and then it moved uh, eventually nationwide and now it's part of protocol where if somebody is uh, expressing uh, abnormal uh, behavior and that that individual 
uh, is a threat to themselves or others say that person says that they want to kill themselves or they want to hurt hurt someone else, then that constitutes that right for that per that uh, trained officer to take that person and take them to a psychiatric evaluation for a 48 or a 24 hour hold, a psychiatric involuntary psychiatric hold. And it gave them the power to, and that's what they do now. And, but for the individual or the character in the book, they didn't do that. And he didn't realize until, and he fought, his, the original title of the book was called uh, Outside My Mind, corruption behind the blue wall because the blue wall is a symbol that law enforcement uses it's uh, in america you'll see a lot of vanity car plates or you'll see a lot of with a blue uh with a black flag with a blue stripe in the middle and that represents law enforcement in america i don't know if it's worldwide but america that's what it represents and i thought that had more to do with what color was the line you walked uh-uh no Okay. It's a blue. It's a blue wall. It's a wall of solidarity. It's a blue. Uh, well, supposed to be of uh, family, of uh, friendship, kinhood. Uh, basically, law enforcement uh, values and togetherness, essentially, to sum it all up. But and I taught and I and I called the book "Corruption Behind the Blue Wall," and I fought hard with it. But then, when a friend of mine showed me certain things that happened within my department, certain favoritisms that white officers receive, certain in, in incidents, uh, certain uh, slaps on the wrist for some major stuff and just a slap on the wrist and be gone with you, Johnny. Uh, I said, I'm gonna call it corruption. And so I changed it to dirt on the badge, uh, outside my mind, dirt on the badge. But in the book, I use the word corruption a lot. And, and I'm doing yeah, it too. Did. I'm doing it to poke the bear. I, my thing is, I'm yeah, I'm gonna poke the bear. Like, wake up, come on, let's go play. Wake up, and I want them to swing at me. You know, whether whether I get, you know, whether they want to take me in court or whatever, that's fine. But if they're stupid enough to come at me or or naive enough to come at me, that's just going to make my book sell more. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and this is the thing, right? You mentioned in the book that. You didn't see color. You only saw blue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is really quite interesting because for me, um, I remember the first time I met somebody. Um, I mean, I even said, when I said this to Lou, I said, is it okay to say the word black these days or does it mm -hmm. have to be person of color? You yeah. know, because we're all different colors. And a friend of mine, Debbie, she just had to have a double mastectomy. Um, and she wanted, she went to get this, um, I don't even know what you call it. It was like, a, it was like this, um, bra thing, um, uh, mm -hmm. with, um, and it was, they go, oh, sorry, we don't have them for black people. I was furious. Mm. I was like, really? are you for real? And they're like, yeah, wow. but there's so many different shades. I'm like, yeah. And I'm the same shade white of everybody else that's white. I'm uh, redhead. My yeah. skin is paler. I mean, obviously it's not now because I, I go out in the sun quite a lot. But again, it's like when I was at school and I saw, I met my first um, black person. I grew up in a village of 200 people in East mm -hmm. Anglia, in England. You know, there, there weren't that. I mean, if you were from London, you were the Londoner and you were not <laughs> from around here, you know. And so, you know, even though you're from England and you're yeah. white, you're still not from around here, you know. <laughs> and... Um, so to me, this I, I didn't see. To me, she was just a girl. 
she was just another girl in my class with a different color hair and you yeah. know and it didn't register with me that she was different um and you know fast forward several years and I'm sat there holding my ex-husband hand mm -hmm. who's an Arab um and I was like gosh you're really quite brown <laughs> like and he goes well <laughs> hello I'm an Arab I'm like yeah but like wow yeah, you've been you out in the sun. It. He goes, yeah. no, that's natural. Went, no, 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 you're darker than normal. <laughs> and again, because I see people. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, really. And I think, have I been ignorant in so many ways? But then, as mm. a mother of um, Arabic children, I see racism that a lot of people don't see. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on this African American thing and the mm. the fact that you. You don't see color. You saw blue. You were in mm. the police force. You were in this brotherhood. Yeah. You were in this family. And yeah. it was, you know, your family are generational police officers. Um, and you expect the people within that family, you expect mm. your family to have your back, whether it's your chosen family, whether it's your work family, um, or whether it's your blood family. You kind of expect these people to have your back. But in this situation, they didn't. They actually yeah. stabbed you in the back. Yeah. 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 The, that right there, you know what? That's what, I mean, and you know, like an athlete, I'll put it in terms like an athlete. You know, say for instance, you know, they say LeBron James got two more years, good years left in him. That's how I felt. I mean, here I am. I think I was 49, 50 at the time. And I figured I had two, two good more years in me. Uh, and that means everything. Solving cases, interviewing people, running and gunning, kicking down doors. To me, I thought I had two good more years in me. But at the time, when I felt like I could come back and I thought to myself, I'm ready to go back, I said, hell no. And I even put in my book, I would rather go broke and be sleeping on the streets than to go back and be a police officer in the city of Fort Wayne. Uh, uh, that's how I felt. I mean, I, I'm not saying anything about police officers. Like I said it, in the book, there's poems about police, about my police officers. I oh, write, those poems. Write my oh. poems, but yeah. Um, yeah the whole book, uh, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I people know that I will say it how it is, mm -hmm. but I'm reading uh, the poems in there and I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, damn. You know, they're, they're just the balance between the, the narrative mm -hmm. and the poems and how they broke it up, but summed it up. Yeah you're very talented writer and i'd tell you if thank you wasn't you. thank you you're very that, welcome that means this from somebody like you uh, established author uh, you know international author um from somebody like you to say that 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 thank you thank you so much you're welcome respect respect wow mm. i'll just let you sit with that for a moment i am gonna sit with you <laughs> right wow dang mm. okay all right yeah, take it in because, you know, credit where it's due. Because yeah. the thing is, is that when, whenever we as authors write a book along the lines of what we've written, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I remember when I wrote um, about the racism within South Yorkshire police mm -hmm. um, in my first book, Friday Bridge, and then I exposed the Egyptian government and the police and mm -hmm. the, the school system in Egypt. And then I went on to expose all the the police officers, the lawyers and the judges in my mm -hmm. third book, Crossing the Line, which we're actually now dividing into two books. So they'll be okay. Crossing the Line and Lightning Strikes Twice. So it will now become the Scotland saga. Um, <laughs> writing all the names and naming the individuals within the book. Mm -hmm. 
people are like, oh, I mean, you're allowed to do that. I'm like, it's all public record. Mm-hmm. If it's public record, you can name them. And if you've got exactly. evidence to back them up, you yeah. can name it. You can talk about it. But what you've got to be prepared to do is actually stand in your truth and truth. have the courage. And you say, you know what? This is what happened. Yeah. And I am not prepared to hide them or protect them mm-hmm. when they are there to protect and serve. And they, you know, whether you're a politician or a prime minister or a dictator, you know, because let's call a spade a spade. They are a lot of them are dictators these days, yeah. um, whether they're passive aggressive ones or out there right in your face. Yeah. Um, your whole job, you are a civil servant. You are there to serve the civilians. As a police officer, your job is to protect the state and the state is the family and the civilians within the society and the nation state that you are there to be employed, but you are employed by. And even on the American police cars, I believe it says to protect and serve. It doesn't say that in England or Scotland. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Should say we're here to protect and serve yeah, certain members of yeah. the of the society, especially yeah. those um, in these yeah. categories. And yeah. I tell you what was really interesting: the first time I went to America, mm-hmm. I I was on a you guys call them the the metro. Yeah, metro trans. The yeah. metro. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was sat on the metro and I sat down and um, I was looking at the ticket and I turned mm-hmm. it over. And it said on the back, and this is what, I mean, my eldest son, he'll be nine in February. Um, and I was five months pregnant with him when I went to America. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's 19 in February. So it's probably you know, getting off 20 years. I turned mm-hmm. the ticket over and it said, you are entitled to this seat regardless of race, creed, color, or religion. I went, well, no shit, really? Sherlock. Really? Like, <laughs> and I went, wow. have you seen this? Like, oh my gosh. And you know, I'm just shocked That's that I'm odd. reading this. And this is yeah. in New York. This is, you know, America's supposed to be yeah. the leader of the free world. Um, yeah. But even when it comes to your banking these days, you guys mm-hmm. still have checks in America. Mm. Like, what the holy... Mo- I haven't seen a, che- I haven't seen a check for uh-huh. nearly 20 years. Like, <laughs> they still have those things? Some people still use them, yeah. Some people use them. Well, uh, like, Wow. Yeah. But this is the thing. And it's like when you're having to print on the back of a ticket mm-hmm. that people are entitled to a seat on a metro, regardless of their race, color, creed or religion. You're just like, oh, my God, have we moved on wow. at all? How long ago was that? That was nearly 20 years ago. Okay. Kind of doing the maths in wow. my head. I write books. I, I, I know how to make profit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But again, it, and it's really interesting because we mentioned the African-American phrase. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with um, uh, another friend of mine and client, Lani Mulvey, uh, mm-hmm. about culture. I think that was like the third or the fourth episode that I recorded. I think it's only just come out. Mm-hmm. We're shaking things up just to keep everybody on their toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember doing a summit uh, for an American um, for an American team. Um, it was about cultural diversity. Mm-hmm. And, and I get there and I'm like, oh, like, it's going to be really cool. There's going to be loads of different uh, cultures and loads yeah. of different nationalities. I was really excited. I was going to learn loads of things <laughs> as well as. And I get there and there are eight of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, some of these must be people that are just organizing it, working in the background, because we were all yeah. white and they were all American. Mm-hmm. 
um, but white American, English speaking American. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, well, there must be other people coming to join us. Um, and I was like, well, where's the diversity? Where's the cultural diversity yeah. here? Okay, we've got gender diversity, we've got uh, generational diversity, yeah. you know, we've got um, corporate diversity, like career diversity, but yeah. where was the cultural diversity as in ethnicity, mm. um, as well as, you know, gender, um, whatever you want? And then two more people joined, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So people are now starting to come, thinking, you know, these are the, all the other speakers. Yeah. And this couple turned up, both of them black, and both of them in the relationship together, and both mm-hmm. of them married. And I said, and they go, right, we're all here now. I'm like, sorry. They're like, well, we're all here now. I'm like, well, where are the Latinos? Where are the, where are all the Asians? Where, you know, like, yeah. where? And I said, well, and then I said something in Spanish, and I was like, and they went, sorry, I went, what, you don't even speak Spanish? I said, 45% of Americans are Latino. Why don't you all speak Spanish? Uh, <laughs> and then when you look at the amount of African-Americans and yeah. Asians-Americans in yeah. uh, America, and you look at the percentage makeup of America, you're like, well, mm-hmm. is this one of the reasons why there's so much on race relations and so many when these political parties come for, up for election and yeah. these state... They have to create all of this. Yeah. What is your take on the word? Because you said you've got something that you want to say about African-American. And the sun to is me, about to go down. So bear with me. Okay. I'm going to open the curtains. All right. Okay. I won't tell you what those curtains to be shut. <laughs> <laughs> Dance around. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, African American. A lot of people. Uh, there are some people out there that have different stance or viewpoints on why they don't use the word African American, and they could be right. But here's mine. When somebody says the word African American, it makes it seem like the country, the United States of America had to endorse, had to co-sign, had to put a stamp on our authentication of being citizens of this country. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's good, Liddy man, he's good. Oh yeah, yeah, he's good, he's good, Liddy man. You know, America's on this side of the club and uh, black people are on this side of the club. Oh yeah, yeah, he's good, he's good, Liddy man. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And so that's why I don't like the word African-American because I'm an American. So I'm, a, it's I'm a, a black it's a man tick box. in America, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. I used, when um, I used to get like these government forms come through Mm-hmm. Um, you used to get like all these ethnic, oh, please tick yeah. your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they were for my children or for my ex-husband, yeah. I used to draw a box and put mm-hmm. Arab. <laughs> and then I used to write a note, Arabs are one of the largest ethnicities in the world. How come you yeah. have not acknowledged them? You need to have yeah. a box on here for Arabs. <laughs> and I used to do that every single time. You know, and you're right, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Why do you not have Arabs on there if you've got every other? And but then it's like, you know, what about Polynesian? What about mm. an oceanic person? Yeah. What about you know all of like Hawaiian? Why are yeah. these people are not? Oh, but they're American. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's okay for an American for a Hawaiian to be classed as American because you own Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But you're not allowed to have them as a, a, a Pacific Islander um, or Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, so yeah, I kind of like um, discussing those and going down those rabbit holes and having yeah. tea with Alice and the caterpillar quite a lot. Okay. So one of the things that you um, mentioned was that in the late 80s, um, like the police didn't really know what to do with crazy people. Yeah. Um, but I was having a conversation with a guy on LinkedIn, I think it was yesterday, um, and we were talking about crazy. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but it's always good to be a little bit crazy. I like my kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that this is a word because we like to have a play on words. Yeah. Um, like, I remember when I first said to my grandmother, um, and I say grandmother because whenever I say nanny, I mean, I used to call her nanny, uh -huh. um, but... Um, People are like, oh, you used to have a nanny. I was like, oh, yeah, doesn't everybody have a nanny or grandma? <laughs> They're like, oh, no, we thought because, because obviously yeah. I'm English and I'm so uh, well spoken. I yeah. have a, a uh, an au pair nanny. Yeah, and I'm like, God, no, I, you know, for me. Au pair governor. <laughs> Mary Poppins. Um, but for me, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have a nanny anyway, because if I'm going to have children, I'm going to raise my children the way I want to raise my children. Yeah. Um, and um, I unschool my children, even after they've gone into school. Yeah. Um, and But when we look at the words that we use, um, again, looking at the African-American, the word crazy, mm -hmm. um, I remember saying to my grandma, um, oh, yeah, he's absolutely wicked. And mm. she goes, Sorry. Like, why are you hang? Oh, you don't like you and me to get, you know. I mean, she, she used to get mm -hmm. church, but she wasn't a bit, she wasn't a Bible basher, as uh, we used to say, or a Jesus freak, as my, my friend Becky calls herself. She goes, Oh, yeah, I'm a hell, I am. Oh, no, I'm not going to say I'm a hell yes to the Jesus freak because I don't want to go to hell because I, I'm in love with Jesus. Like, Becky, oh, she's right. absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that um, we look at when language and how things have changed throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um you know what is the, oh like you know um language evolves and obviously now that we are so much more connected around the world and we're all changing words I mean now mm -hmm. I say trash um you know instead yeah. of rubbish yeah um trash. and my friends and I say store instead of mm -hmm. shop and my friends are like you, you you've been out of the UK too long right. Dawn you need to okay. come back and reclaim your language and yeah. sometimes when like I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. um arabic words will end up being written in sentences or oh. like if i've responded to somebody arabic or spanish or portuguese mm -hmm. ends up in the sentence rather than wow. english okay um yeah i'm confused all the time um <laughs> <laughs> but it, when we look at how the police have got i mean like i said to you what's the difference between protocol and the law because if mm -hmm. you break protocol yeah um, and when you're looking at the police, um, the police, police and criminal evidence act, mm -hmm. um, you, um, if you do not follow the protocols, then mm -hmm. that person who br supposedly broke the law mm -hmm. cannot be tried mm -hmm. in many cases, in majority of cases, wow. I'm not going to say all of them because, yeah. you know, there are clauses to laws that have been yeah. around for hundreds of years and they, they manipulate the clauses. Sorry, they mm -hmm. use the clauses. Let's just, just you know, um, we'll just backtrack on that. But people who listen to this won't, uh, with that, what, what, what do they call that? Uh, retraction? Retraction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But when we look at how fast language changes and how fast communities are evolving and changing and the diversification, mm-hmm. and you're now working within the field on speaking on international stages, because you were in Prague recently, mm-hmm. uh, which congratulations for that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. Shout and, out to Prague. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> Love And governments don't move as quickly as technology is moving, as Mm -hmm. uh, fast as the other people are moving. Mm -hmm. What kind of impact, I mean, 20 years ago, I mean, no, it wasn't, it was 40 years ago, the late 80s, 40 Mm -hmm. years ago, late 80s, kind of getting there, Uh, coming up to it. Um, Please don't give me a GCSE maths exam. Um, I just sent it to my oldest son. But when we get to this point where we're evolving so much quicker than the law and the the people that are there to protect and serve, Mm -hmm. what implications do you think are going to be happening? Because they've got to catch up a lot quicker and we've got to break down this legal system and to rebuild it shortly. Yeah. Um, Man, you know what? Loaded question? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Uh, uh, that someone once said, I don't know if it was Alan uh, Dershowitz or a, a high-powered attorney, another high-powered attorney, but someone once said that this this justice system, this legal system, not just the justice system, the legal system needs to be revamped, completely yeah. revamped. All this time that we're spending in Congress, not getting along, or the Senate hating Congress, Congress hating yeah. Senate, Senate. They, I, 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 I like to see some new blood in, in our um, on Capitol Hill. I like to see some young blood on Capitol Hill. I like to see what I really like to see is inexperienced blood. And because Donald, I mean, say what you want about Donald Trump. Um, I'm not a supporter of him, but one thing <laughs> I that, like how all these disclaimers are going in this show. One thing, yeah, yeah. Dev, I gotta put that out there. I gotta put that out there because I don't want to target on me. I have one of them uh public enemy <laughs> targets on me. Uh, but one thing. <laughs> I noticed uh, people were willing to vote for him uh, before he even put fear and hate mongering in. People were willing to vote for him because they were tired of the BS that they see in the United States with the United States politics. Even though he wasn't qualified, even though he had no political experience, people still wanted to vote for him and therefore they gave him a chance. And they even even gave Barack Obama a chance. One, Barack was Black. Brock is black. Number two, I was going to say, that, what happened to him? Did he do Michael Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before, uh, you know, probably before, another disclaimer there. Yeah, and it probably needs to yeah, go definitely. in. Be- <laughs> Maybe before, not. <laughs> before race was involved in the election, and no one would dare say that. None of his opponents, nobody would. Or that's you know, that's political suicide. But before race was even involved with it, the main thing they would get on him is his inexperience. But yet, people were still willing to vote. Okay, for well then let's look at that because surely, one of the things to look at when running a country is the financial stability and the international trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and trade relations uh, around the world. That is a very big part of politics, right? To make sure that you've got everything and everybody within your yeah. uh, within your country is taken care of. So you yeah. could look at it that Trump was very qualified because he knew yeah. how to make money. 
he knew how to take care yeah, of his team because did. again like he said regardless of what people think of trump mm-hmm. um and you know i will i mean no i mean what you've got now i mean it, him and boris i mean bloody hell god help us all um but um the two b's oh jesus um you know what? god help if like I but believe... <laughs> please let I... me finish Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no show. But when you look at what Trump did for his employees mm-hmm. and the amount that he donated to schools and hospitals, yeah. the jobs that he gave, the education and the the, the security, like the homes, yes. um, the investment into uh, different areas of where his offices were the um, and what he did for his employees, that would say, yes, he is very good at making money and he will actually get the finances of a country up to scratch. Now, I also know that from the immigration, um, I'm not going to say how I know, but what I have learned mm-hmm. is that his immigration policy, and okay, let's just say he wasn't the, the smartest uh, boy in school when it came to public speaking. But from what I've understood is that one of the Trump's things was when it came to immigration was, those that have applied for immigration and that have contributed to this country, give them their immigration status. Those that are not contributing, send them back to their country. Um, and, and I'm like, I, whereas I don't feel that that is, you know, because I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, Americans that are born in America that aren't contributing. You know, where are you going to send them back to? But, (laughs) you know, you can look at it in so many different ways. How many lives did Trump save with the donation of millions to hospitals and schools, et cetera? Again, I'm not a fan. But when we um, are looking at something like this, we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. What was his qualifications for, uh, I mean, what was he, mayor, senator? Uh, Mm. What do you call Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator. Oh, he was a governor, governor of California. Governor, mm-hmm. governor of California. Mm-hmm. What was he? Did he have political? But if you want new blood up at Capitol, you had new blood in Trump, and you've got yeah. new blood in uh, Old Arnie. Yeah, and you know what? Schwarzenegger piggybacked off the uh, the ideals and the uh, values of Reagan and Reaganism. And Reagan was hot back then in the eighties. Reagan was hot. You know, we had a crack at epidemic going on, but it was only black people that were affected by it. So we ignored the crack at epidemic. But yeah, Reagan was, yeah, Reagan, people, America loved Reagan. Yeah, America loved him. And so Schwarzenegger piggybacked off his values uh, to an extent. And, you know, so therefore California and, and Reagan's from California. He was the California governor as well. So, you know, all do you, you think there was, might have been some bakshish in yeah, there somewhere? All you needed was an endorsement. <laughs> all you needed was an endorsement from Reagan and you were in. So, yeah. but again, that's the same as any um, any career, because let's just say I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Like her and I uh, mm-hmm. did this podcast because she wanted to know. She wanted me to share with her audience what I've learned over the last several years and all the jigsaw pieces that I've put together uh, with this current situation. And we did this show. Um, she sent it out. But then you've got like Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. And then yeah. this Indian lady. I can't remember her name. No disrespect to her. Um, and then you've got people like Russell Brand and you've got all of these, you know, David Wolf. 
they're all saying a lot of the stuff that people like myself say, mm -hmm. but because they've had an endorsement or they've mm -hmm. known somebody who's been able to get them in, like you're a TEDx speaker. Mm -hmm. um, I know several TEDx speakers. And one of the, one person who was no longer in my space said, yeah, one of the reasons why I don't invite you onto things, Dawn, or she goes, it's because, you know, I know that you'll have more success than me. I was like, Dawn? Are you serious? Like, really? Shouldn't you just be celebrating and yeah. promoting everybody and introducing everybody? Like, if you're having success yeah. in one area and you know somebody else has something valuable to add, you give them that introduction. You yeah. get them on that stage. You, you know, you celebrate. Yeah. And you, the, the only way we can all rise up as a society is yeah. by raising each other. Yeah. And, and, and Don, you're a great person. You I are. You, you are. Mm, I like that. I'm, my philosophy <laughs> is I don't care if we go back 13 years, 20 years, whatever. I don't care if we best friends on social media. What keeps me motivated, what keeps me going good is anybody don anybody and that exclude that goes for anybody if uh we're on a stage together and i'm right after you my mind is i'm gonna kill it they're gonna love me they're gonna forget you and i don't care who it is it could be my mother it could be my brother it could be my grandson it could be my kids that's how you I would feel. do that to your own mother that's how i feel about my speaking and and so i get what you i get what your your tedx friend says but your tedx friend probably didn't have not, had had that swag or that style but my thing is i'm better than anybody that comes that steps on that stage with me uh, my, okay yeah is that, that is that is that an invitation <laughs> oh, no, nah, Don, you're my friend. You're my friend. I want people to remember you <laughs> just the way you are. <laughs> and lovely, charismatic, you know, conversational. I want people to remember you just like that. Yep. Hold on. Like, click, click. Yep. There you go. <laughs> and it's interesting that you say all that. And thank you so much for those beautiful compliments. I, I, I really them. appreciate it. Yeah. I know you did. Um, and so did I. Um, I remember when I was stood, stood on, um, we were prepping to do an event. It was a charity fundraiser for mm -hmm. Save the Mother's Trust back in the UK. Um, and um, I'm reading the list of all the people that are coming on. And then I read the word outlandish. I was like, oh, my God. Seriously, outlandish coming on stage. I have to introduce them. And like, I love Outlandish. You know, I don't know if people know, but they're a Danish uh, hip hop band, but they've got people uh -huh. from Puerto Rico, wow. um, Cuba and Morocco. Um, and I love their songs. Oh, just mm -hmm. mm, getting that Cuban Moroccan vibe going on. It just really floats my boat in so many ways. Um, and I remember when they came on and... I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I said to them, like, when I met them in the green room, I absolutely adore this song. And they go, okay. Mm -hmm. When they came on, they went, like, she told us in the green room that this is her favorite song. Now she's going to have to sing it with us. And I tell you what, I, that was like, oh, it was just so great. Um, but again, going back your to... Favorite song? What was your name of your favorite song? Uh, it's Look Into My Eyes. By Outlandish. Uh, by outlandish yeah it's one of my favorite my favorite song i'd have to say is probably enjoy the ride by my more chiba um i i really love that put that oh. a friend of mine 
who um, sailed across, well, he didn't sail, he canoed across the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. um, he found out about it when we were in Tenerife <laughs> together and he got a big uh, mic and speaker system. Oh my God. He goes, my friend Dawn's favorite song and here she is singing it for you. Like, oh, oh my God. He made me sing it in the marina. Oh hey, my God. That's beautiful. I like that. I yeah, like that. I did sing it. I did sing it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I have got a good voice when I feel like it, especially in the shower. I think but, you and I uh, talked about that too, because I told you I love going karaoke. I told you yeah. my, sig <laughs> my signature song was me and Mrs. Jones. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, a bit of Etta James. Oh, yeah. Get that going okay. on. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, I love singing. Um, I'm not quite sure everybody else here uh, likes me singing, but I don't care. I'm having a great time, and I think everyone should sing and giggle and wiggle and oh uh, dance. But again, like I mean, going off track again, but yeah. the fact that, you know, whether people get into politics because they know someone or whether they get a business opportunity yeah. because they know someone or they end up being introduced to someone such as Lou introduced the two of us, mm -hmm. you know, and like yeah. introductions are always something that, yeah. um you know either can make us or break us yeah and i'm sure that in your career as a police officer you've actually seen people who were you know really great kids or like you know got their life going on they get introduced to someone and boom that downward spiral happens yeah. Yeah. and even i'm guessing you know like the um the drug enforcement agencies where a lot of people have gone undercover mm -hmm. um and have got so deep undercover Mm -hmm. that they've actually forgotten what's actually going on yeah. as a criminal mastermind yeah. that you are mm -hmm. in the sense that you are the uh, criminal profiler mastermind not this mm -hmm. you know pablo yeah. escobar i mean let's yeah. just use pablo because i'm in uh, colombia oh my gosh you are so i you know i'm so envious to you i want to go visit his gravesite. i think i told you that story yeah you did but yeah because in order to have a good uh be a good all law enforcement officer you got to think like a criminal and that's why we we don't have that many. So good, you're dodgy then. Yeah, you got to think like a crime. <laughs> you got to make moves. Give me a crime. Okay, go ahead. Give me a crime right now at the top of your head. And I'm gonna tell you how I'm gonna do. If I was the criminal, I'll tell you how I plot it out. Give me like anything, <sighs> anything, murder, shoplifting, anything but a sexual crime. But yeah, other than that, yeah, I'll tell you how I get away with it. <laughs> well, I see. I know how I get away with murder at sea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just push them overboard and say murder you know what i don't believe in tv but one thing they do on tv that i would have done i would take I, I one i would leave my cell phone home if i forget to leave my cell phone at home i take the chip out i wouldn't rent a car yeah because would, they do the yeah. triangulation thing, yes don't they? i wouldn't rent a yeah. car i would uh i wouldn't rent a car You'd get on a push a bike. Car. yeah i definitely wouldn't use a weapon I mean, a handgun. I would definitely use either something uh, to choke or stab because those weapons are hard to trace. You can't show it in court and say, yeah, this was the rope. We know this is the only rope, but finger uh, weapons like guns, they have fingerprints on them. They have the bullets have fingerprints through when they go through the tube. They leave mm -hmm. a, a specific trace when they go through the barrel. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I wouldn't. And a lot of people, especially in the United States, People get caught for their crimes because they talk to somebody. I wouldn't tell anybody crap. So how many crimes have you committed then, crooks? None. <laughs> <laughs> none. Uh, but yeah, none. But back in my rookie days. No, I bet you have. I bet you have committed no, crimes. Um, I bet I can. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. Okay. I'm gonna days, I'm gonna tell you a crime that you have committed that you don't know you've committed. What? Broken a heart? What? 
Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's blushing now. Like he's had oh time. Oh No, I bet you've been one mile an hour, one mile an hour over the speed limit. Yeah, oh, definitely. Ten okay, miles. so you're a criminal because that's breaking no. the law. Here's the thing. Here's the it, thing. Like, and, and you've United got a ten percent grace. See, here's the thing. In the United States, what people don't know is cops don't go uh, nine times out of 10 unless they want to make an arrest, like arrest you for something else. And, and I didn't ask you whether you were arrested or not. Is okay. the legal limit? The, is yes, the legal limit? Yes, Dawn, it is a legal, it is the legal limit. But my thing is a judge, if you, if I write you a ticket, judge, and I mean, uh, Dawn, and, and I saw you and I stopped you and I wrote you a ticket for going going 16 going probably 16 miles over the limit or even 10 miles over the limit the judge will throw it out of court 20 miles is the 20 miles is the max if you're going over 20 miles that becomes a criminal offense and that's why they write the tickets so a lot of judges so there you have it ladies yeah. and gentlemen in the mm -hmm. states go yeah. 19 miles an hour i always go i always go eight I always go eight over the speed limit. I always set my crew. Always? Over eight. Yep. And I've, I've passed troopers. I've passed uh, vehicles where they're stationary. A lot of people don't know if they're coming at you like this and they're going, it, it's hard for them to turn around. They rarely okay. will stop you. But, but if still, let's go yeah. back. You're talking yeah. about the process. You were talking about whether you're going to get convicted. Yeah. I didn't ask you whether you were going to get convicted. I was saying whether you broke the law or not. Going yeah. over the speed limit is breaking the law, whether you're prosecuted yeah. Oh, yeah. for it okay, or not. Okay, Dawn, if you okay. want to be, if you want to I was be, on the debating okay. team, I was, I and I've been on political hosting. Yeah, I broke the law. <laughs> I, you know what? I, yeah, uh, if if that's considered breaking the law, which it is, you're right. I broke it. Ooh, I did. Yeah, maybe I'll write, <laughs> maybe I'll write a rap about it. Be like the new, the uh, older version of Jay Z. You know, <laughs> I was in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the UK, if you don't pick up your dog poo, mm -hmm. not that like if you've got a dog, obviously, <laughs> yeah, and your dog does their toilet business, yeah. and you don't pick it up, yeah, that's considered a criminal offence. Really, you can get yeah, you can get fined for thousand pounds. But can you can you get locked up and go to jail? Can you get the handcuffs? Hey, put I you? got locked up and sent to prison for something <laughs> I didn't even do and face nine years in jail. I'd still wow. be in jail yeah. now. Wow. Um, if I hadn't have been so smart and uh, mm -hmm. studied law and presented a case and been such an upstanding member of the community and called them you on are. their own corruption. Yeah. yeah, I am. Because the thing is, it's like, and this is something that my family name means something to me. Yeah. I love my dad. I love my family. And one of the reasons why I called my company Dawn Bates International mm -hmm. was because that holds me accountable. You yeah. are not going to trash my family name. Yeah. And if I like am not going to have anybody trash my family name, like no that. one is going to hurt my family. Um, and if I do, then you know what? I got to face my mother and I don't think anyone wants to face my mother wow. because behind my mother is my father and you really don't want to cross him. Yeah. I mean, he's got seven of my shotguns. Sorry. He's got seven shotguns, which will be mine one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. To, they're not shot. They're like fire. They're, and this is the thing. I don't, I don't think I could ever be coming to America makes me really, really nervous. I will be honest. Really? Yeah, because you've got handguns. And as a mm. farmer's girl, a 12-bore shotgun mm. 
mm-hmm. um, doesn't frighten me because that is designed to take you hunting. Well, that's yeah. not to take you hunting. You take that hunting with you. Um, and that's for killing food mm-hmm. um, and providing for yourself. Whereas yeah. a handgun, that's designed to shoot a person. Mm-hmm. And that re- and just to know that so many people in America have guns, yeah. I'm like, holy, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm surprised by what comes out of my mouth as much as anybody. And I, I have no filter. And mm-hmm. I remember when my ex-husband and I came to America <laughs> and we, we've gone through several airports at this point and yeah. we always got randomly checked. Right. And I remember we wow. got, oh, so random. Um, and oh, it was, it got to the point where it was just getting to, uh, was and we got to Miami and we got randomly checked again. I went, oh, another random check? Yeah. Really? Seriously? Are yeah. you for real? And I'm stood there face to face with the security guard. He goes, I'm sorry. I went, do you realize how many random checks we've had in America? We've only been here a few weeks and now we're getting another random check? Oh, wow. how many people here got a random check? Yeah. Oh, probably very few of them. And yeah. I'm there and I've got, um, well, the Arabs call them, we call them ship-ship, like flip-flops. Um, I don't know what you call them in well, the States. Oh, flip, yeah, we call them flip-flops. Or like, yeah. You don't? Okay, because America, um, Australians call them thongs, mm-hmm. uh, which really quite made me blush the first time. When a guy <laughs> goes, have you got your thongs? I was like, yeah. your business. Okay, I get um, it now. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm slow, but I get it now. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the New Zealanders call them jandals because they're Japanese sandals. Ah. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, I had my ship-ship on. Um, and I had like a, a, a denim skirt and just like a, a, a singlet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what a singlet is? Or is that an Australian word? Like a vest top. Let's just call it a vest top. Oh, okay. Vest top. Okay. okay. It was like a um, camisole? Yeah, yeah. That kind okay. of thing. And I got okay. my hair up in a ponytail because it was really hot mm-hmm. in Miami. And um, the next thing I know, I'm having all my hair taken out of my ponytail. They're, they're almost oh strip searching me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, seriously, what do you think I've got? Like a bomb in my slips, my shib shib or something. Just because <laughs> oh, I'm with God. an Arab. And my ex-husband's yeah. like, Dawn, be quiet. I'm like, no, uh-huh. I'm not going to be quiet. Yeah. Every single airport we've been to in America, we have yeah. got random searched. Yeah. I said, yeah. that is not a coincidence. That is an agenda. Yeah. And like this office is going, I, please, madam, please be quiet. I was like, no, I'm not going to be quiet. Yeah. I'm not going to just accept this bullying and this persecution because yeah. that's exactly what it is. Uh-huh. My ex-husband's like, Dawn, just be quiet. I'm like, no, Rama, I'm not going to be quiet. <laughs> you know, and I said, it's not fair. I said, and this is happening yeah. to me and you. I said, this is happening to people in America every single day. This mm-hmm. is happening to people every single day. People yeah. in the waiting room are like, oh, my God, like, who's this crazy lady? And I'm, thinking, <laughs> and I'm just like, it's like you're, and the, the guard is like, if you don't be quiet, madam, we're going to have to arrest you. And what for? Freedom of speech. Really? Wow. And like freedom wow. of speech and freedom of opinion. You do realize that this is article, I think it was like article 20, uh-huh. 21 in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which you cannot stop me from doing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's something that I, I'm so passionate about people being able to speak their truth. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, what truth would you like to share with us all here today? That probably makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but you'd like wow. to share with us anyway. Wow. Just to empower or inspire, wow. inspire other uh, people. 
And it didn't have you to be said, a Okay, you said the word. Well, here's one. You said, the word, <laughs> you said and this is this is safe. So I'm gonna use this safe one because I'm a Yeah, I'm this a is cautious, only going out on like dozens I'm of cautious, like, podcasts. I'm a cautious person. I you know, but uh with that, but this is uh something um you said the word you said something about crazy before, and me I've always for 50 years, I'm 53 now, for 52 years. 51 years, I've always hidden my craziness. I always knew that, okay, something was, and I'll use the, um, something wasn't right. But then as I got older and I got more educated and I started to find a love and a passion for psychology, I uh, started to say, okay, something was abnormal. And, and my thinking, not my behavior, but my thinking, the thought process. Now, and so I hit it, you know, some people say like, you know, if, if there was something wrong with me, I would be like, hey, how you doing? You know, smiles, fake depression, it's called smiling depression. But now I embrace it because it was, it was because every, darn, all those poems I wrote, I wrote those poems in two hours for each, uh, each uh, poem, all 12 poems. I'm sorry, 20 minutes. I'm sorry. It took me 20 minutes to write all those poems, those uh, poems for my chapter, uh, things like that. And I embraced it. I embraced uh, my uh, craziness. I embraced it. I'm not hiding. I don't hide it, you know. And, see, I don't uh, see that as crazy. I, I just, I, and the thing is, I like being honest. Divine and intuition. I, here's another thing. Okay, I would tell some. I've been in the game. I'm going to say this in cold words because I've been listening to Jay-Z lately and I haven't, I'm not a big fan of Jay-Z, but I'm starting to be, and he talks in code a lot. So I'm going to say this in code. Uh, I've been in the game since 1984. No, since 1988. I've been in the game since 1988. Dawn, it has been four years for me. Four years for me now, since the time of the, the time of that incident in the book till now, because I don't have the confidence. I'm like, what can I offer? What can I offer a woman? You know, what can I, what can I do? What do I have? You know, I'm broken. So it's been, so that, that's a truth right there. It's been four years for me. Same. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Four years. So that's the truth that you nobody's know what they ever say known. about broken things in Japan, don't you? Uh-uh, no, what? Tell me. Fill them with gold and they're more beautiful. Oh wow! Okay. Look at I the like Japanese that. crockery. Okay, I like that. I'm a, mm-hmm. Okay. All but right. you see, that those things that make us broken, mm-hmm. uh, they make us beautiful. They make us stronger. Okay. Look at it from a, like when you look at it from a workout point of view. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. if you'd have seen me walking today after mm-hmm. the workout I did last night, I have no yeah. idea how many squats and lunges and. Like, seriously, I mean, I do Latin dance fitness uh-huh. uh, because wow. I love dancing and um, I think it's rather a sexy way of getting yes, fit. Yes, I would love and, that, yes. Oh, my God, my thighs today. I'm like, what the holy hell happened to those last night? Oh, my night? gosh. And oh I was hardly gosh. able to walk. Honestly, John Wayne would have been laughing at me. Um, <laughs> but when we're working our muscles, we're breaking yeah. them. We're just tearing them a little bit for yeah. them to become stronger. So all of those broken pieces that you have and what yeah. I know about you, um, okay, I don't know you very well, but I, I kind of do now. I've read a manuscript and I've seen mm-hmm. that some of the things that you've been posting and the conversations that we've had, um, uh-huh. I think you would have a lot to offer a woman, but you've yeah. got to believe that, okay? Yeah. And this is the thing. I get it. I mean, I've been single yeah. and celibate now for four years mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. And it's like, yeah. what do I need? I'm in... 
Um, and I was talking to the girls the other day um, and I was like, you know, I think I'm ready. Hmm. But for me, he's got to be, he's got to earn his right his to sit right, at my yeah. table. He's got, I mean, because there's some Brazilians that live here uh-huh. and like they're all touchy-feely and I'm like, uh, yeah. you, no, don't touch me. <laughs> and they're like, what? I went, you have not earned the right to touch me. Yeah, don't I touch like me. That. I like that. Yeah. You have to earn the right to sit at my table. You have to yeah. earn the right to hold my hand. You have to earn the right. Like, and that's the thing. It's like for so many people, they give themselves away far yeah. too easily. Yeah. They do. I was accused of that. I'm accused of that too. I was just so eager to be in, you know, uh, to have somebody want me and love me. You know, I just gave my heart too easily and it, it got broke, you know, so yeah. Yeah, we don't want our hearts broken ever again. But, you know, but I have one more question before you go, because you said something. um, See, this is the thing, right? I keep saying to my friends, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle being around men in America when they say yes, (laughs) ma'am. There's just something about yes, ma'am, that for us British ladies, um, Uh well, for me anyway. um, (laughs) But um, you just said something, where is it? Um, Oh, uh, abnormal. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I think about, you know, what's crazy, what's normal, what's abnormal, what is acceptable, what's not. And I, I, I always bring it back to the witches. And I, I'm a witch. I know yeah. I am. Um, and I like to own my inner witch and, you know, That's my ancestry. Nice. Like yeah, that. you should see some of the things I do. I mean, every time I work with a client, I never write their notes on a computer. Uh-huh. I always write them in journals. And then every full okay. moon regardless of whether we're at the very beginning of our relationship or whether we're coming to the end, whenever this, well, like whether we're not coming to the end because, you know, most of it is six, three, six, nine or 12 months that I work with people. Um, But um, on every full moon, I take the notes that we have and Mm -hmm. I create a fire and I go up there with my crystals, um, whether I'm on the beach or I'm on the rooftop so I can get as high as possible, but I want to be in nature, but I prefer being on the beach and I build a fire and I burn their notes and I alchemize um, wow. the, the stuff that I've written down during this. So I write down all of their hopes, all of their dreams and all of their goals. I also write down all of their fears and all of their doubts and all of their overwhelm. And then I say a prayer over the fire and I burn it to alchemize all their dreams, hopes and aspirations into reality, burning their fears, their doubts and their overwhelms to the ground and sending it back to where it came from. So it's no longer in their future. And then yeah. obviously the ocean will come away, come along, wash it all away, and it's purified by the ocean. Damn. And that is my witchy woo thing I that it. I do with my clients. So, it. but witches, we were burnt at the stake. We were okay. drowned. Okay. Yeah. For like herbal medication and things that we could see and things that we yeah. knew. Now look at it. It is one of the biggest like herbal medicine <laughs> and all the stuff that, I got burnt for in a previous life. Yeah. And all of my sisters, we got burnt for. And all of my brothers that were burnt because they were sages and they were sorcerers. Mm -hmm. We knew what we were doing. And now the pharmaceutical companies are making billions (laughs) out of all of our cosmetics and herbal remedies. Yeah. Assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a kind word for them. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... Thank you so much. We'll leave it on that. I'm going to stop recording now. Um, I'd like you to stay on afterwards if that's okay. But thank you so much to all of you who joined us today. 
Um, Crux's book will be out shortly. Um, we're not going to give away too many details on that, but you will be hearing from him. Um, I will put all of his contact details. So if you'd like to book uh, Crux for an international speaking a gig um, on mental health um, awareness, and all things crooks, then all of his contact details will be in the show notes and you can actually listen to this. Well, you're, you're already listening to it on your favorite channel and your favorite device, so I don't need yeah. to say that. But thank you so much for joining us today, Crooks. It's been an thank absolute pleasure. Thank you for having pleasure. me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Excellent. Right, yeah, well, have a great day. And as in the words of more Chiba, enjoy the ride. Ciao for now. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Truth Serum Podcast. You can follow Dawn directly through her Instagram account, instagram.com forward slash real Dawn Bates. This is an invitation only podcast. That said, if you would like to speak with us or come on the show, please send an email through hello at dawnbates.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Remember to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Sharing is caring, so share away. Until next time, folks, grab a good book, see a sunset, and expand your knowledge and experience.